a great privilege for Jean and I to be here with you today. Thank you for the invitation. I've just mentioned that uh, I have put one of my books out, out now as an audio book. So if you could pray about that, um, this is for those who are partially sighted and those who are blind. And uh, I went to the Glasgow Public Library's buyer this week and he took 15 right away and they'll be back for more. And Eastern Barnshire took some for the library. Um, I'd been asked to write the book originally by Lamhill Stables Project. Um, because I had spent my childhood in Lamb Hill. One of, I'm one of the lambs. We're both lambs from Lamb Hill. <laughs> and, uh, and I was in Lamb Hill from when I was three till I was 13. And th- the end of the story tells how I came to know the Lord when I was just, just before I was 13. So everybody who reads it or listens to my dulcet tones now on this will understand at least how one person came to know the Lord. So pray about that if you can. Um, that's the audio book. Um, we'll turn, if you've got a Bible with you, to the Old Testament and to the book of Psalms. And we're going to read in Psalm 24. Psalm 24, a tremendous psalm. Uh, it was well known in, uh, among the Jews. They always sing it at Passover time. Um, they sing this psalm and it was reminding them of the pilgrimage that, for the folk who travelled to Jerusalem for the festivals and up up through the gates of Jerusalem. It's, it used to be sung all the time at Church of Scotland communion services. Ye gates lift up your heads on high mercy. St George's Edinburgh, a very stirring setting of the words of, of Psalm 24. I'm going to read the whole psalm. Reading from the New International Version. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And then it says Selah. There's a Selah at the end of verse 6 and a Selah at the end of verse 10. And the scholars argue about what this means. Some think it's a musical direction like double 40. You know this bit has to be sung loudly. (laughs) Or else it's a call for reflection. Think that over, you know. Carefully. Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Now obviously the Psalms have a special place in the hearts and lives of God's people. Maybe the best known and best loved book in the whole Bible. Calvin said that the Psalms were the mirror of our souls. 
And another description Calvin gave the Protestant reformer John Calvin, he said, um, the Psalms are an anatomy of the soul. When you look up your dictionary about anatomy, I don't know if you've got a dictionary, I hope you've got a dictionary, I look up the dictionary all the time. Full of good stories, but they're a bit too short. Um, uh, But you look up anatomy, it tells you anatomy is the study of the human body uh, by dissection into its component parts. And there isn't any response that we might have to God and to life that isn't reflected somewhere in the Psalms. You can be joyfully exuberant and you'll get a psalm that will reflect that. You can be down in the dumps, um, suffering from what is now called the palms. You know, the palms, the poor old me syndrome. And, <laughs> and you'll find a psalm that matches it out of the depths of I cried to thee, O oh my God, Psalm 130. And one writer says, every psalm has my name and address on it. I thought it was quite good. Um, and they're very emotional, the psalms. Uh, Psalm 56, God puts our tears into his bottle. How's that, eh? God puts our tears in his bottle. Psalm 137, um, the, the background was the, the exile. The background was the Jews had been taken to Babylonia. Professor F.F. F. Bruce thinks that they were in a prisoner of war camp and they were digging the irrigation canals for the great city of Babylon and uh, the Babylonians mocked him sing is one of the songs of Zion and the psalmist responds to it in Psalm 137 how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land that's us today really isn't it how can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land God still calls us to sing his song and, and then it says if I forget you O Jerusalem let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth that's pretty strong stuff isn't it so you'll find that and the Psalms are grouped when you read through the Psalms you'll find there are five books within the Psalms some folk think the five books correspond to the five books of Moses Genesis through to Deuteronomy but probably it was just that one scroll equals one book you know there were quite, it was quite a lengthy corpus for each scroll and you get groupings like uh, according to the divine names whether God is described as Elohim or Yahweh in, in the psalm um, th- that's one cl- another classification then you've got the Hallel songs that were sung especially at Passover Psalm 113 to 118 remember how in the account of the Last Supper it says and they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives it would be, be one of these psalms from Psalm 113 to 118, and then you've got the songs of ascent from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. These were the psalms they, they sung as they travelled up to Jerusalem for the festival. They were pilgrimage psalms. Um, and you know, this Psalm 24 is part of a trilogy of psalms Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24 form a a trio of psalms which contain a lot of truth about the one that God would send as Messiah. In Psalm 22, um, it starts off with words that the Lord Jesus used in the cross, remember? Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, one of the Aramaic fragments in the New Testament taken from Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the psalm 
of the cross or the psalm of the saviour psalm 22 Um, tremendous detailed account of the the state of the person in this psalm and we all think it's a prophetic description of Jesus suffering on the cross I am poured out like water the Lord's sufferings pictured in this wonderful psalm I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my strength is dried up like a pot's head and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth dogs have surrounded me a band of evil men have encircled me they have pierced my hands and my feet it's all prophetic of the Lord Jesus on the cross so Psalm 22 is the first of the trilogy it's the Psalm of the cross or the Psalm of the Saviour and then Psalm 23 is the the jam of the sandwich, somebody said. Um, People like to lick the jam off. Well, children used to lick the jam off the sandwiches and leave the bread. But the two slices, if you like, are Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. But 23 is the favourite one of the three. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's It's the psalm of the shepherd. Or the psalm of the crook. Um... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And uh, it's a wonderful psalm, Psalm 23. It has a wonderful heritage in our country, especially in wartime when the soldiers took that psalm with them into the trenches and so on. We're thinking about the First World War this year. So... uh, that's the psalm of the crook or the psalm of the shepherd 22 is the psalm of the saviour the psalm of the cross 23 the psalm of the shepherd and the song of the crook and then 24 24 is the psalm of the sovereign Read it. the earth is the Lord's the king of glory the, the Lord almighty it's the psalm of Sovereignty is the psalm of the king. And uh, it talks about the Lord Jesus. Who is this king of glory? It talks about him as the Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. But it's prophetic of the Lord. Some folk link it up to the triumphant entry of the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem uh, at the beginning of Holy Week on Palm Sunday. Um, I'll just make a wee point and say you cannot really experience Psalm 23 and Psalm 24 unless you've experienced Psalm 22. We need to know Jesus as our Saviour first before we can have him as our Shepherd and as our Sovereign. Um, We need to know the Lord Jesus and his cross before we know about the crook, his daily protection over us and the crown as he comes as the coming king and lord of our lives so absolutely terrific to look at this wonderful psalm um, a psalm sandwich um, 22 and 24 and 23 in the middle Um, and it's terrific how it starts the God of the Jews owns this planet with everything in it and everyone on it. Well, you can't beat that for a comprehensive statement, can you, for verse 1? 
His magnificent majesty is throughout this psalm. It runs through it like a, a golden thread. His marvellous monarchy as Lord Almighty, as King of Glory, is all set there. And it's really a psalm of pilgrimage. Back in the 50s, I think it's the 50s, I mean, my memory, your memory going, we, 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 we find ourselves all the time saying, I think it begins with a K, you know. <laughs> Did you do that? <laughs> and, and eventually, by dint of question and answer between us, we get, to, we get there. Um, but I think it was back in the 50s, there was a song called, I love to go a wandering right? along the mountain track, and as I go, I love to sing my knapsack on my back for a dream. Remember? And he, <laughs> it was, I think it was a German song, wasn't it? And, he, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was called The Happy Wanderer, you see? Well, you see, the glorious thing about Christian experience is. We're not happy wanderers, we're purposeful pilgrims. We're pilgrims, we're not wanderers, we're not wandering about in the world looking for direction, looking for joy, looking for forgiveness, looking for peace and life. We're we're pilgrims. And it's a marvellous passage, I'll direct you to it now, in Hebrews chapter 11. Absolutely smashing, that ties up beautifully. I'm sure it's in this Bible some. Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, verses 13 to 16. Uh, terrific stuff. Uh, All these people were still living. Uh, sorry, we'll go, to, we'll go back to verse 8. By faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in, a, in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob over the years with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Isn't that wonderful? And then verses 13 to 16, all these people were still living by faith when they died. (laughs) They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunities to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared the city for them. Is that your hope today? Amen. Amen. You know, in folk in the world have suffered, many Christian folk have suffered. There's a wee boy reading about him. George Washington Carver, you ever heard of him? In America. When he was an infant, his mother Mary and George Washington Carver were kidnapped by the Ku Klux Klan. And they were taken away. And George's mother went after him and got a friend. And the friend ransomed George Washington Carver with a horse. He exchanged him for a horse. He gave them a horse and they gave him the kid. And the kid grew up and he was bursting to learn. And he went to school. 
and they wouldn't teach him because he was black. And he went to another school and they wouldn't teach him. I think the third school he went to, he got education. And then he did well. And when he was 10 year old, around about 10 year old, he was, he was in the, the, the loft above the barn, beside a barrel of corn. And he said the Lord Jesus came into his life that day when he was 10 year old. And he just knelt down beside the barrel of corn and gave his life to God. And he, he applied for a college, he went to this college and they wouldn't teach him because he was black. Right? <laughs> Eventually he got an honours degree in botany and was a lecturer and absolutely transformed the agriculture of the southern states of America. And here was his question to God, Mr. God! <laughs> Why did you make the peanut? <laughs> and he, he devised over a hundred ways of using peanut crops and he, he divided the, the, the harvest between peanuts and cotton. It was only cotton before George Washington Carver got in the go. Peanuts. And he was invited to address the United States Senate on the subject of peanut farming. And later on, one of their presidents was a peanut farmer. Jimmy Carter. He was a peanut farmer from Georgia. And it was all due to George Washington Carver. And he just kept at it and he kept, he kept, oh, Mr. God, why did you make the peanut? (laughs) And he got a tremendous grant from the U.S. government to develop peanut farming in the southern states of America. And he just kept at it. Well, Abraham kept at it, and Isaac kept at it, and Jacob kept at it. By faith, they were pilgrims on the earth. And he was a, a stranger. Go away, boy, you're black. We don't educate you. Terrible. Awful. So we're not happy wanderers. We're purposeful pilgrims. And you can't be a pilgrim unless Jesus is your saviour. You maybe haven't begun in that pilgrimage yet. You know, if you don't know Christ in this personal way as your saviour, this is your chance today. God is speaking to you to say, have you entered into the experience of Psalm 22 yet? And then you can move on to Psalm 23 and Psalm 24. And so Psalm 24 is about the pilgrimage that we have. And we'll look at it very simply because it's 12 (laughs) o'clock. First of all, the pilgrim had an outward look. He looked at his world and he saw world ownership. God made everything in it and God owns everyone on it. Now that's a good thing to say today for Christians to realise that the Lord God reigns. That um, God is still on the throne and he will remember his own. He remembers them all over the world today. Many of them suffering awfully. There's more persecution of Christians than has ever been in the history of the world. And yet, deep down, the world ownership, he, know, he, owned, he made everything in it and he owns everyone on it. And world origins, he's founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. All the different kind of birds we're talking about. Part of his creation. The world of the macrocosm. You ever gone to the planetarium? 
in London and Marylebone Road they've got this big place called the Planetarium and they've got these big luxurious seats you sit back in and look up at this domed roof I fall asleep usually but <laughs> you can see the skies and the myriad of stars and the, the sheer immensity of space and uh, when you read the Genesis chapter 1 it's like P.S. in a wee letter it says P.S. he also made the stars you know <laughs> he made the stars what a wonderful God he owns it, the world of the macrocosm the world of the microcosm he used to examine I was involved in the labs with uh, iron and steel examining uh, the crystal uh, the, the crystal structure crystalline structure of iron and steel and their ores <clears throat> and right down to the microcosm the electron microscope uh, exposes the, the world in miniature God made it all world origins and you read Genesis a work of separation isn't it heaven and earth, light and darkness, sea and sky sea and dry land <coughs> sun and moon what a wonderful God we have it's not a big bang and an accident um, somebody said there's as much chance of it being an accident as there is given a team of chimpanzees and unlimited supplies of paper and computers producing the entire works of William Shakespeare in a couple of months <laughs> the pilgrim has an outward look it's God's world and you look at it this morning, look at the greenery. Talking to an Ethiopian at the bus stop the other day, and he was saying how wonderful it is to be in Scotland and see all the different colours of green in the springtime. The pilgrim also has an inward look, because it's not simply what you see outside. Verses 3 to 6 deal with the pilgrim's inward look, his walk. His, there's a question and a character described here verses 3 to 6 who may ascend the hill of the Lord who can we, how can we stand before God who may stand in his holy place and he gives a sort of uh, CV of the qualities outward qualities inward qualities his hands, his heart, his hopes his honesty I heard a story this week a Romanian who came to know the Lord in this country in Kirtan area and you know what he did? He'd escaped from Romania and he was due to go to jail. He went back to Romania and says, I should go to jail. And he, he fulfilled his jail sentence. He's back in Scotland working. <laughs> and full of the joy of the Lord. He was honest. In America, there's a man called J.C. Penny. You ever heard of him? Uh, there was a... Oh... Stacks of shops. He had 50,000 employees at one point. J.C. Penny started off in a butcher shop in Longmont, Colorado. And across the road was a hotel, the chief customer of the butcher shop. And he was told, if you, can, when you want to continue having the custom of the hotel, you've got to give the chef in the kitchen a bottle of whiskey every week. And Penny said, I'm not doing that. The, the hotel withdrew its custom its business was taken elsewhere related accounts were pulled out and Penny's butcher shop went flat as a pancake it was closed down he had two wives, both of whom died tragically really unexpectedly 
1929 he had 1400 stores and when the crash came the Wall Street crash just before it it was worth 40 million dollars and in 19, that was 1929, 1931 he was flat broke <laughs> to start all over again. And he had what he called the golden rule stores. He wanted his customers to get a square deal and he wanted them to treat him well too. And he treated his staff very well. There was a store in every state by 1951 and the sales were exceeding a billion dollars a year. And this man was honest. Everybody knew Penny was straight as a die. J.C. Penny. And it says here, he has clean hands and a pure heart. Um, He's honest. Um, He walks with God and is honest. His hands, his heart, his hopes and his honesty. Um, His integrity, his loyalty are there. And it's all summarized in verse 6. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And I think one of the reasons why the churches are emptying in this country is because people don't believe that Christians are honest anymore. You know? Some of the politicians, you know, they, I mean, the, some of the politicians, if you plug them into a, a lie detector, they would fuse the national grid. Um, <laughs> you know, as the Irishman says, half the lies they tell are not true. And they, <laughs> But Christians nowadays are not regarded as people of integrity. And we've got a terrible reputation. And they're on us right away in old Davy Moyes. As soon as old Davy Moyes lost the head at that guy in the wine bar, they've got it in the paper the next day, he's a devout Christian. They're into us right away. We've got to live honestly before God. So the pilgrim has an outward look, the pilgrim has an inward look, and the pilgrim has an upward look. Pilgrim imagery, the journey to Jerusalem. How they got there, it was amazing. Because in those days, in the days of the Lord Jesus, when the Roman Empire was on the go, they had a whole lot of taxes. Somebody made a, a statement that the Jews in the time of the Lord Jesus were the most taxed race ever in the human race. There were at least 13 basic taxes they had to pay. And one of the most iniquitous was the border tax. They never knew what there would be a charge when they crossed a border or a frontier. Imagine if you're going your holidays and say, how much is it going to cost? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what it was like. They were going in pilgrimage to Jerusalem. How much is it going to cost? I don't know. It depends what they take out of me every time I cross a frontier to get there. And so they came as pilgrims, to get there, they to climb up country to get to Jerusalem. And there were soloists there that cheered them on their journey, and choirs there. Um, and the, the priests were involved. Um, so you can imagine choir one and choir two and solo one and solo two. And the whole of that, that passage, a different group or a different individual singing each clause, each phrase. Um, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And then another lot. Be lifted up, O ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. And then, who is this King of glory? And then another group would answer, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And it was like that. The God who walks with people 
as they travel to the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And that's why it's a, it's a, a qualitatively superior thing to take the funeral of somebody who was a believer than somebody who was an unbeliever. God who walks with people, his exalted status, the King of Glory, his inner strength, he's the Lord strong and mighty, his powerful strategy, the Lord mighty in battle. There's a phrase in Exodus 15 verse 3, Adonai, Ish Milchama, the Lord is a man of war. In Exodus 3, he's a man of war, is into the strategy, he understands strategy for life and his covenant splendor who is he this king of glory the Lord L-O-R-D capital letters special name of God in the Old Testament because over 6,000 times Yahweh used to be Jehovah but they think the, prob- the probable pointing of it in the Hebrew text is Yahweh Yahweh the Lord the covenant God the God of creation the God of covenant the God of crisis He's with us as we walk. And so, to summarize, they used to say in the 50s with that song, On your bike, yeah? <laughs> and Norman Tebbit said, didn't he? Norman, the Tory politician, On your bike. But God says to us, On your hike. <laughs> Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the precious privilege of having such a wonderful Saviour who went through the agonies of the cross for us and went through the other side and rose from the dead to give us hope even beyond death. And we thank you for the privilege of walking with him every day and of knowing the Lord Jesus as our Saviour and our King. And one day we shall see him crowned and every tongue Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is God. He is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Lord, keep us walking on with God in that strength. For Jesus' sake. Amen.